Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. I hope you're ready for this episode because it's so much fun. I um, Many of you may know that I live on Maui, and some of you have reached out to make sure that I'm okay. I am okay and safe. It's been really, really rough here. I'm not totally ready to talk about it, but I do mention a little bit about it in this episode. And so I just wanted to say that when uh, when I do mention about things getting rough here, it's, I'm talking about the fires. Uh, just know that I'm safe. Uh, I'm helping the best ways I can. And because there's still so much that we don't know, I have waited to give any fundraising or charitable donation uh, recommendations. I will do that in the future because it's going to be a long road, folks. Uh, But I uh, appreciate you all. And please enjoy this episode. Welcome, everybody, to a musical theater podcast where we discuss the cultural and emotional impact of some of our favorite musicals in theater history. My name is Jeffrey Scott Parsons. You can call me Jeff. Today, we are covering the musical Sweet Charity, which was a listener request from Chris with a K, among others. Uh, Here to talk about it, this woman. You guys, there are people who just like get it and aren't too loud about it. Those are my favorite guests on a musical theater podcast. And today we got one of them. She's a singer, dancer, actor. She learned the Fosse technique from the incredible Anne Ranking. She made her broad... And if I mess up any of this, Dilys, please tell me. She made her Broadway debut in Fosse and was one of the insane ensemble featured in Dancing last season. She was also in the revival of Sweet Charity, which means... She's officially done three Broadway shows featuring the song Big Spender, which I think has to be some sort of like record out there. Anyway, everyone, please welcome the amazing Dylees Croman. Yay! <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Hi. Holy cow, I'm so happy you're here. Um, but you got to know, this isn't the first time you've been on my podcast. And I haven't really? told you about this yet. So I'm going to play a little clip for you from our Chicago episode, and our guest was Corey Wright, who was on tour with you. Yes. In this part of the episode, we were talking about the Roxy monologue and how so many incredible people have done it, and then that's when he talked about you. One of my favorite, favorite versions is from uh, Dylees Croman. She started off in the ensemble and then 
she ended up being Roxy. And the way that she, I mean, her body is amazing. The first thing I ever said to her, <laughs> which now looking back, I'm like, Corey, you, you're just pushing it, was I said, I want to put butter and hot sauce on your legs and just like eat it off. <laughs> and she was like, oh, oh, oh okay. And she's like, HR. <laughs> At that time, I wasn't in the show. I just walked up oh, to her, okay. and, you know, and uh, so. so she was like, <laughs> and I never thought that I'll be, I would be watching her on stage and dancing with her. And then I vent- wow. that en- ended up happening, and I was like, that she was actually a one of the dreams come true for me. So it was, it was, it was great. But she, she does a great uh, version of this, this monologue. How oh, cool my. is that? Oh my god, that makes my heart so happy. First of all, I love him dearly, Corey. I love him dearly. And second of all, I remember that moment when he said, "I want to put butter and hot sauce on your legs." And I, I think I don't know, but I think my response was, well, "Go ahead and slather it on, take a bite." I mean, you know, theater people. Why not? Right? Theater pe- boundaries. There's no boundaries. <laughs> well, okay, oh, so. The crazy thing is, is that like a week after you closed dance in last season, you were back in Chicago, right? It was like an insane turnaround. Uh, yes, it was insane. It was uh, like two weeks later. I think it was two weeks later. I went into okay. uh, play Roxy in Chicago right after dancing closed, which was such a uh, an emotional roller coaster, to be honest with you, I but bet. in the best way, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because dancing closing was uh, it was a, a major loss. It was a major loss. We. All of us felt very, you know, we'd worked very hard as as we all do when we're putting up a show. Um, but it, the, the stint of time had been about two years or maybe a little shy of two years putting dancing up. And really? we got to perform oh, it gosh. in San Diego. And then mm-hmm. we got to our, our Broadway opening. And then by the time we got there, we were like, we made it. You know, here yeah, we are. Is, we made it. <laughs> let's enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the ride. And for that to get cut short and um it was heartbreaking i mean i'm i'm just being very honest it was just like the most heart-wrenching news to get especially you know as a dancer and for me being a dancer in my and i just celebrated a birthday but you know i i'm in my mid-40s i won't give you the number but i'm in my mid-40s what what and (laughs) the fact that i got to do another dance dance centric heavy show like that was major (laughs) for me huge yeah yeah i I don't know but it feels like that happened more with cheetah and gwen like back in the day and Anne. but Mm. but but not so much now that that people get to continue dancing as long and so that that's what a gift it it is such a gift and you're right like the let those legendary women that you just mentioned they're forces and you know, Cheetah Rivera is 90 years old, and I'm going to say her age because she just celebrated yeah, yeah, yeah. it and sh- yeah. shouted it to the rooftop, which she should. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so everybody knows her age. She is a force. I mean, I just saw, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting the name of the article or the name of the magazine, but her leg was just like, just mm. extended out, pointed all the way through the arch, all the way through the gosh, toes, like just like, just looking so good. And I'm like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. That's what I want to be. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I have great inspiration from these legends of um, legendary women that I learned from along the way. So, And how yeah. do you feel? Do you feel strong? 
I do. I feel strong. I mean, dancing was a test for sure, but I, can't imagine. I have to say, like, I, I do yoga. That's mm-hmm. something for me that keeps my body strong. I do Bikram, I do Vinyasa, and I do it in a hot room. So <laughs> I like there a you hot go. room. Yeah. So, you know, that really just keeps my body in check. And, um, but yeah, dancing gave me, gave me a ride of, of the, of my life. <laughs> and yeah, I was mm. proud of myself. I was proud of myself for, for doing another show that intense, eight shows a week. And, and my cast, everybody, we just, you know, we, we really were in it together. We were in that show together with every heartbeat, <laughs> with every mm-hmm. sweat drop coming into, you know, <laughs> dripping into our eyeballs. In your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> eyes are burning. <laughs> like, just like, you know, hamstrings burning. Everything is burning. Pretty much my bunion was burning at one point. <laughs> just like, oh, good Lord. But it, it's it all the payoff was all worth it. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so with Chicago, with Dancing, with Sweet Charity, you've kind of done all the big Fosse shows. So I want to go back in time and talk a little bit about the Sweet Charity revival that you're in. What was happening when the show came into your life? Were you was musical theater a big focus for you? Well, I mean, I went to a performing arts high school in Dallas that I, I danced a lot, a, a mm. lot, a lot of dancing. Um, but I was in the you know, I was in the dance department. But I started to sing, like dabble with singing a little bit in high school. I studied with this guy in Dallas. His name was Mark Carroll. And he is no longer with us, but he was the most uh, inspirational guy. Mm. And very much, you know, part of the interwoven thread of my voice. Because sure. he, he, you know, he really just helped me understand what I have in there, that instrument. And I only worked with, you know, expressing through my body and my limbs and my heart, you know, of but course. I mean, <laughs> yeah, 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 everything yeah. comes from the, from the soul and the heart. But, but when it came to like actually dealing with my vocal cords, which, you know, he taught me that that's a muscle, you know, Mark Carroll mm-hmm. said, this is a muscle and we have to train it just like you train your body. So um, I shout out to him, rest in peace. And then um, when I moved to New York, well, actually, I should say I started dancing with Elliot Feld for the first two years. And then when that transitioned for me to start doing musicals, um, I went to my first audition with Annie choreographing Mm. a show called Applause based on the movie All About Eve. And um, I went to the audition and um, she was like, well, you're going to have to prepare 16 bars or 32. I can't remember which, which it was. And I was like, oh, okay. So I have to sing. Uh, <laughs> I'm really nervous <laughs> about fun. that. <laughs> which is, it's like jumping off a cliff when you're not used to it. You know, it really is. So I went in and I sang and my voice was like a little, it was like a little mouse. I, I just, I was so nervous. I couldn't get it out, but I made it past that cut. Thank God, because Annie had my back. I think, I think she really helped me. And, and then she said, okay, you have a call back, but you're going to have to go work on that song. (laughs) I said, got it. (laughs) I hear you with both of my ears. (laughs) So I went back to my vocal coach. I think I was seeing at that time, Adrian Angel. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. At that back then. And she helped me just like find my core and my strength and my diaphragm (laughs) and just like, (laughs) so I just kept rehearsing and I, and I remember going to some of my friends and be like, can I sing this in front of you? Which is 
the scariest thing to oh do. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> it is terrifying. It's terrifying. So I did that a couple times and I was like, okay, I can't take any more of those nerves. Um, my nerves are shot <laughs> out with that. But, but when I walked out, walked into the callback, I was able to give a much better audition, you know, not the way I can sing now, but back then, which was, I think I was 19. Wow. Um, so, you know, that was my first time singing in an audition. Wow. <laughs> and and so like first singing audition, you've already met Anne Ranking. Yeah. Well, I met Anne Ranking when I was 14 and I met oh, her. Oh gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I met her at a musical theater project um, uh, in Tampa, Florida. It was a summer program mm. and it was three weeks intensive. You had to audition to get into it. And wow. I got picked and I went and I met her when I was 14. So it was right the summer between my freshman and sophomore year and yeah she that was the first time I was introduced to the Fosse style going then into Fosse choreography because you kind of learned it from the best place one could uh Mm -hmm. what do you like about it does it feel good in the body what what's your connection to it there yeah it does feel good in my body it feels good Uh, I don't I can't speak for other people but for me I when I started to learn it when I was that eight, you know, 14, young age, I just, I had already, I, you know, I had been training in ballet and modern and I, and also did tap and jazz. I did, I did all the styles thanks to my mom. <laughs> yay, my mom. mom. <laughs> yay, mom. She did a good job because she really put me in all kinds of classes, flamenco, like all kinds of things. And I really wow. felt, yeah, I felt well-rounded by the time mm. I got to Anne. Fluent. Um, yeah, fluent in, in movement. And um, so I, so when I got to Florida and I met her and I met the style, I met the Balfossi style, I was like, wow, what, I mean, it was one of those moments and I, and I've said this many times before, but it really is true when I, and it might've helped that maybe Anne Ranking was the person demonstrating it, Hello. Hello. <laughs> that I was like, wow, what is that? And I, why have not, you know, why haven't I seen this before? And I just, it was like, I had like blinders on at that point. I just, everything became very focused and narrowed in. And I, and, and all I can say is I just said, I want to do that. Mm. That's what I want to do. Um, so what I love about the Fosse style though, is that there's storytelling in it. Um, there's storytelling throughout the whole thing. And it, 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 you know, you have to have technique, you have to have style you have to have wit, you have to have humor, you have to have satire, mm. you have to have, um, you know, just a, an ability to really story tell without going to, you know, like, when people say, just tell the story. I don't know if you've ever, you know, Absolutely. you know, it's like, you know, when you're going on stage, and you're doing a show eight times a week, and it's like, oh, I don't know how else to say this anymore. I don't know how else to go you know, to tell the story, you just literally, you just, those three words tell the story, you know, whatever, whatever way you're doing it. So for me that the Fosse quality of movement is really, it hones in on, you can't, you know, it's, it's not meant to go too big or too showy or too flashy. He's got dynamics levels. um, And it's all about dynamics for me. That's what I try to teach when I teach the younger generation of dancers. I try to teach dynamics and I try to teach musicality because mm. 
I think that's also what makes him special, Bob Fosse special, is that he, he came from the music underbelly of it all. I mean, he almost was an orchestrator. <laughs> yes, the way that, exactly. Th- like the reason this, the song sounds the way that it does is because of the movement and vice versa, right? So <clears throat> Absolutely. You understand it. Yes, I love Jeff. It. Ah, <laughs> I love that. Thank you. That was fantastic. Hey listeners, have you tried Factor yet? Remember Factor Meals? They were supposed to send me a box to try out, but they don't ship to Hawaii, so now I'm stuck with my Taco Bell. And now it's up to you. It's up to you to try it and let me know how it is, because it's May. And we can't eat like it's the holidays anymore. We're trying to get our summer bodies together, and Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So, no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting food. You can choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, whatever you want, it's here. Head to factormeals.com slash musicaltheater50, that's musicaltheater with an E-R, and use code musicaltheater50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code musicaltheater50 at factormeals.com slash musicaltheater50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So my view of Fosse's work, and I got to be honest, it's more from a spectator side than a performer side, but I've always loved the specificity. I've loved the attention to detail. There's a, there's a sexiness, of course, that, that is confident but not necessarily vulgar. The the way stillness is as important as the movement, like all of that stuff, the repetition. I've learned so much from him about like watching the repetition and it kind of hypnotizes the audience and brings them in and then you mess with it. And mm. anyway, I, I, I love all of that stuff. This past year, though, watching a lot of the work that you guys were doing in dancing and and now revisiting Sweet Charity, I want to know your opinion on this. I've kind of noticed how impressionistic he was in Mm. that, like, maybe he wasn't interested in creating art that literally represented life. He wanted to paint what it felt like instead. And so Mm. the, the storytelling is like he's he's got a canvas and he's painting with it. And the tools that he used to paint were dancers. Mm -hmm. Those are like the brushes. That's what he loved. And, and it doesn't take a lot of research to realize how much he loved dancers. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, But yeah, I I love what you said though, about, uh, about Bob Fosse using his dancers as paintbrushes, because Hmm. I do believe that that what you're, what you're picking up on is quite on point (laughs) really, (laughs) truly. Cause Annie would talk about that. Anne ranking would talk about the fact that he used his dancers to, help inspire him um and and every step would look different on each dancer and he Mm. celebrated that instead of saying you know instead of wanting it to be exactly the same or and that's very different than like the court of ballet where you're having to be exactly you know you really want to make a beautiful picture and that's a beautiful thing too but of course the Fosse style really allowed um freedom to to be yourself within the movement and you know, and I, I remember Anne talking about this too. Like, if he didn't like it, he'd tell you. He'd be like, that's not it. <laughs> that ain't it, kid. <laughs> and you would try something else, and that might not be it either. But you would keep trying and trying until you found what he was looking for. Um, but he would always know what, what he was looking for, and he would mm. celebrate that. Now, you know, 
I, I'm speaking from six degrees of separation here, but I mean, I did right. learn from, from Anne very, very closely, but I, I, I wish I could have worked with him. It would, that would have been a dream. Um, Absolutely. just to experience what his process was. And, but I, I've learned a lot from the people that have, so that's, I'm grateful for just having that firsthand knowledge or that secondhand knowledge of how it was like in the room. And he was a complex dude for sure. Like it also mm-hmm. doesn't take much research to, to realize that he kind of hated himself a little bit and was always working sure. through that. And, and I mean, just watch oh, the movie, all that yeah. jazz. It's him creating a movie about his own death before it even happens. So mm-hmm. like, there's a lot going on there, but, but I, I'm just really impressed by how this viewpoint on the art form really pivots the entire art form into a, a new territory. And, and certainly it, by the time Sweet Charity had come around, he had, you know, choreographed Pajama Game, Damn Yankees, How to Succeed in Business, Little Me, like all, all of these shows that had his little styles and, and uh, vocabularies. But Sweet Charity really was the moment when he stepped into what I was saying, this impressionistic way of exploring storytelling because he's mm-hmm. now director and choreographer and it's almost like the plot isn't as important as exploring through dance and his dancers a lot of interesting themes and characters Mm. yeah it's a very vulnerable piece i think Ooh, yes yeah talk about that because i'm sure you know (laughs) yeah well (laughs) well i know as much as i think i know (laughs) but uh there was yeah there's a vulnerability to the whole show like just charity for take for example i mean this is a very um desperate character i would say desperate is definitely in there and she's just trying to make her way through life with the tools that she has been given you know Mm -hmm. that's how i see her and but she she picks herself up and she continues to move forward with positivity as much as she can and yeah and that's why i think that it's hard to say desperate because her resilience is so high you know, her at the same time. Is major. Yeah. And so you can't help but just be like, I think you're the bravest individual I have ever met. Exa- you, exactly. You know? Yeah. And I related to her in that way because I, you know, I, as we all have, have been through things in life that, um, you know, the trials and tribulations of, of each person's life are, are very individual. But mine, you know, I have my, I have my life and I have my, backstory to pull from and by the time I got to cover her because I was an understudy first mm-hmm. well I mean I was always an understudy but I did get to step in mm-hmm. pretty um dramatically <laughs> I guess you would say <laughs> um at one point when we were on our out-of-town tryouts but but yeah I I related to her because I had already in my lifetime before doing that show had been through a lot so I was able to tap into her resilience you know because i had lived it in my own life yeah wow that's beautiful but there is a desperation to her too and i think it's just um that that desperation to want to be loved you know everybody mm-hmm. wants to be loved and she really just wanted to be truly in the most simplistic purest way she wanted to be loved it's a show that can be like the entire plot of <laughs> of sweet charity can be boiled down to that which is it's a girl who wants to be loved Truly, yes, like that, that truly. is the show, you know? So yeah. the, the beginnings of the musical started when Bob Fosse and his wife, Gwen Verdon, 
went to see an Italian film by Fellini, the famous Italian director. And it was a film called Knights of Cabaria. Oh, and put a pin so in good. that. Is it? I oh, haven't seen God. it. Oh, my it, God, Jeff. It Okay, so I just watched it. For, so I hadn't seen it when I did the show. Okay. But um, my significant other, my beau, my beau, <laughs> Robert Montano. I'm just hey. gonna drop that pin there too. Yeah. Um, he <laughs> he's a fantastic actor, dan- you know, singer, actor, dancer. Toast of the town right now. Uh, toast, really toast, cool. toast of the town at the moment. Um, playing in his show Small that he wrote wrote and performs in on Off Broadway. I'm so proud of him. But anyway, this movie that you're talking about, Night Nights of Cabrera, he mm-hmm. said to me, he was like, Have you ever seen where Sweet Charity you know, originated from. And yeah. I was, and he told me the name of the movie. I was like, no, I haven't. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know, like, oh my God. So we watched it like the night, you know, the next night. And I'm telling you, it was unbelievable. I cannot come up with the actors' names right now because also they're, um, you know, hard to pronounce and I'm not sure. going to butcher them. But the, the, the girl that plays the charity role, I mean, mm-hmm. I just fell in love with her. I was like, oh my God, if only... I had seen this back then so I could pull from her brilliance. I mean, oh. absolute brilliance. So yeah, you got to watch it. You got to watch so it. That's so cool. I have to I have to check it out. <laughs> yeah. Now, musical theater nerds, you may remember that the musical 9 is also inspired by a Fellini film. So thank you, Mr. Fellini for all of the Broadway. But yes. but Fosse sees this movie and like you completely loves it and it's I think it's pretty easy to see why. He and Fellini had so much in common. They both loved women. Their wives were their muses. I believe the woman who plays the the lead character is Fellini's, was Fellini's wife at the time, right? Absolutely. Yep. So That's it. The, the story of Knights of Cabrera is uh, the story of a prostitute in Italy. She just kind of gets the crap end of the stick at every turn in her life, but then she, you know, perseveres on and, and it, it makes it strangely inspirational, even though it's, it's, uh, tragic in many ways and just reveals the human spirit so bob fossey and gwen Verdon go to see it now i'm going to read a quote from gwen about that evening oh yay so she said one night we had not we had nothing to do so we no that's a terrible gwen we had one <laughs> one night we had nothing to do so we went to see that fellini film nights of cabaria well i just hated it so depressing but bob He's the movie buff in the family, just loved it. He couldn't sleep, so he woke me up at 6 a.m. with a nine-page Americanization of it, and he got me all stirred up. We changed her from a prostitute to a dance hall hostess because in New York, the whores are either elegant with posh lives, then nobody would have any sympathy, or they're bums, then nobody would care. Isn't that interesting? Whoa! Wait, read, okay, read those last two lines yeah. again. So they changed the character from a prostitute to a dance hall hostess because in mm-hmm. New York, the whores are either elegant with posh lives, which means that nobody would have any sympathy, mm-hmm. or they're bums, which means nobody would care. And, mm. and Fossey said something similar. He said, there is something ugly about a prostitute in this country, in the United States. It's all right in Italy. So I wanted to get the nearest thing to a prostitute, a promiscuous girl who sold something for money, a dance, her understanding, conversation, something. Oh, my God. Jeff, where did you find this? That's incredible. Oh, the, oh I, lo- I love this book. It's called Razzle Dazzle. The Life and Work of Bob Fosse. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to, just from that 
that's it's a, fantastic. It's a great one. It's a great one. But yeah. I, I just thought that was so interesting because when you stop and think about why that change was made into a, a, a taxi dancer, which even the taxi dancer had back in the day definitely had some uh, sort of re- like lady elegance of the or, night some, or yeah, but, but right. also the elegance of respect it respect or the respect of some sort and yeah. so if if we if they wanted charity to be received in the way that you've been so beautifully saying which is that she's this you know person who wants to be loved and vulnerable how do you portray that for a, an American audience? I, I just that's, find that really fascinating. That's fa- that is absolutely fascinating, and I love what you just read because that really puts everything out on the on the uh, on the table. Because it really is that it's like we judge so much. You know, there's so much around us, and and I, you know, I live in New York City, so I walk around the streets, and of course, it's just so much around you that mm-hmm. you could you can find yourself judging or not relating to or you know, not wanting to have time for or yada, yada, yada. But yeah, the, the fact that, that he decided to, Bob Fosse decided to make her um, a dance hall hostess, mm-hmm. 10 cents for a dance kind of gal. floozy gal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. that's a better word, gal. Um, then, you know, it's more palpable. It's more digestible. We can understand. And the thing about it is to me, when I look at that, it's like, we're all trying to it doesn't matter what your profession is. We're all just trying to make a living and mm-hmm. we're all trying to survive. And it's a survival thing. And, you know, charity was a survivor. I mean, mm-hmm. Beyonce would be very proud of Miss Hope Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> she, I'm a survivor. Uh, well, and I was yeah, going to say I mean, without, without charity, Hope Valentine, she wouldn't have a couple of music videos either. So there's that's right. That. <laughs> that's true. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, oh, so yeah. Bob Fosse jumps in and he, and starts writing the script because he wanted to be the one to write the script. And he had worked with Cy Coleman on Little Me, which was which was a, a great episode we we covered earlier in the pod. I recommend listeners to go listen to it if they haven't. So, Cy Coleman comes on as composer. Who, I mean, he's one of the the last great Broadway composers whose songs ended up in the Great American Songbook. Like people wanted mm. to record his songs when a new Broadway show came out and. And uh, Sweet Charity was no... Uh, was no um, exception. Yeah, it was no exception, exactly. Sai mm-hmm. had written Little Me with the great lyricist Carolyn Lee, Carolyn Lay. I always forget how to say her last name. I'm going to say Lee. And uh, they didn't get along at all. And so he needed somebody new to write this score with. He uh, approaches the great Dorothy Fields at a party and asks her to write with him. And she's thrilled because at this point, if people don't remember, Dorothy Fields was the book writer for Annie Get Your Gun in the 1930s. So this is like mid-1960s over like 30 years later. And she's like, I'm this old woman and you want me to write these lyrics? (laughs) Like, absolutely. And so when when I remember that, when I realize the lyrics of Sweet Charity were written by an older woman, it makes me love the score even more. Oh, even more because she understands that. Yes, that that wisdom and and the heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's been through all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't know that detail. That's I absolutely love that. That's if I ever play this role again, I'm going to pull all of this juiciness <laughs> back into, you into my you, backstory. Well, you should play this again. I, I would love to see you do it. 
So um, unfortunately, the script that Fosse created just wasn't funny enough. Like it just wasn't entertaining because he 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 got better at that when film his films came along. Yes. But but yeah. he needed some help. So Neil Simon steps in to basically make the book funnier. And he does that. I really enjoy the scenes in this musical. I know that it may not be the most seamless book in all of musical theater history, but there are so many terrific, terrific scenes. And we'll talk about a few later on. But like that elevator scene might be one of the best scenes in any musical ever. Oscar losing. Yes. Oh, my God. It's It's so fantastic. That 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 scene is fantastic. And um Dennis O'Hara played it with me and um, I mean, and also Chris, I mean, I got to go on with him, but Christina Applegate and Dennis O'Hara were matched up for that, for those two roles. And, uh, and actually watching the two of them, Christina Applegate and Dennis O'Hara play the, play both that elevator geniuses. scene. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Both, both comic, comic geniuses for sure. And watching that was a, a, just such a lesson. Um, oh, it was a masterclass. So it was a masterclass. That's beautiful. So Sweet Charity premieres, the original production premieres on Broadway in 1966. It reopened the huge Palace Theater, which hadn't been much for a very long time. So it was a big deal when it opened. And it opened in the same season as Man of La Mancha and Mame. So like juggernauts across this season. And this leads me to one of my favorite conversations about this Broadway season, because as different as all of those lead characters are in those three shows... Um, they all feel very counterculture 1960s to me. Like Mame mm. Dennis is this uber liberal elite woman uh, uh, raising a child with members of a of a nudist colony, and then like, and Don Quixote is all about the impossible dream, no matter how crazy people think you are. And then Charity Hope Valentine is maybe the most out of all of them, surrounded by change and chaos everywhere she goes and she's Mm. just trying to find her way which really (laughs) feels to me like the voice of this new generation in the 60s that is like uh, like why is everybody being assassinated i just want to be happy you know like (laughs) like what is happening why vietnam like why anything yeah anyway so i she i think she's She's more simplistic than that you know i mean she i mean she She's as simple. She is as simple as they come. It's the reason why I feel like Charity is a character that younger generations could really get behind. Like this is an old show. And of course, that means that there are some things that you might disagree with or you feel are dated. But for the younger listeners out there, like this character is somebody I think you could really connect with, with all of the chaos that we've been experiencing in the world and everybody feeling completely untethered by not being able to go to school you had your first two years of college over zoom like all of this craziness mm-hmm. that i that i can't even imagine yes. you got you got a character like charity hope valentine that's like yep it sucks but we're gonna keep trying i, I think it could well, be a, 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 a like a, a shiro for this new generation yeah definitely shiro for sure i definitely think it could be and i think it i think it's i don't know for sure but i think it's coming back Are you really Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. That's what I've heard. Wow. Well, I trust you. <laughs> I don't know any more than that, but that's yeah. all I've heard. But um, it would be, I do think, uh, with some updates, I think it could be uh, like what you're saying, just like a, a Shiro kind of character for these. Because I think, 
Because she's not perfect, like you said. She doesn't. She she doesn't understand self care at all. (laughs) No, no. And she, but she just like the the lesson to be learned is what you had mentioned earlier was just that her perseverance. You know, Mm -hmm. I I love um, that mythical bird, the phoenix rising. Of course, yeah. You know, she has that quality to her where she can Mm. just literally get knocked down. I mean, the first scene she's thrown into a lake you know (laughs) she just she's like ogling you know charlie's eyes like she's so in love with this guy and then he tosses her into the lake and steals her purse and it's like well then that's you know that's the that's That's the first scene that's where we start that's where we start (laughs) and where does this character go from there you know and she does she always finds she always finds a way to persevere and that is a lesson that we all could learn from amen Well, speaking of the beginning of this show, we see Charity. She's awaiting her latest man who's named Charlie, right? Mm -hmm. And she immediately starts dancing. So this role is exhausting because from beginning to end, we are with her every step of the way. Really rarely leaves stage, right? Yeah, yes, (laughs) absolutely. So tell me about going on because this revival that you were in, and did Wayne direct and choreograph it? Yes, Okay. No, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Correction. He he uh, choreographed. He choreographed. It. Uh, okay. Yeah, Walter Bobby directed. Oh, it. Walter Bobby, of course. Of yes. Course. Mm-hmm. You you guys were there. I mean, there were so many twists and turns with this revival, but you're out of town. Christina Applegate is, of course, leading the show, name above the title, sort of thing, and mm-hmm. then she goes down, mm-hmm. right? And how yeah. did, what happened exactly? I can't remember. Um, so she, so in the beginning of the show, there's a light post, and Charity's character kind of like you know twirls around the light post, um, mm-hmm. and there's a little bit of a platform on the post. And from what I understood, is she kind of just rolled over, which can happen mm. to any of us, just kind of rolled over on her ankle. Um, and she continued. I mean, she continued for another ten, fifteen minutes into the show, and that wow. was her adrenaline because <laughs> right, sure. she, she ended up tearing some met- metatarsals in her foot pretty bad. And so, but we didn't know any of this at the time. It's just that happened, you know, minutes, 10 minutes or whatever go by. And so I had never had a rehearsal for this, this role uh, oh at this gosh. point. <laughs> yeah. Oh not one. So <laughs> we were in Chicago, Illinois at the time. And so prior to doing our out of town performances, we were in New York, rehearsing it so what i had done to prepare for if something like this should happen which mm-hmm. you know is very rare that it does but when it does you know you just want to make sure you're prepared and charlotte Dembois, which she was the first cover for for um for roxy for the slip for charity <laughs> she was the first cover but um she was doing roxy in chicago in chicago on broadway at the time so oh. At the time that we were in Chicago on these out-of-town tryouts, I was the only cover in the building. Whoa. And so basically, you know, I had done a lot of work on the side when we were in New York in rehearsals. And, you know, six, you know, you rehearse from 10 to 6 and around 6 o'clock, you know, you break for the day. And I had scheduled appointments with my vocal coach and my acting coach to work on the material. Just in case something like this happened. That's and incredible. Sure enough, so, so you're going like above and beyond after 6 p.m. You're yeah, yeah. And I'm spending my own money on it. You know, like I'm just, I just, 
I don't know if my instincts were, I mean, I don't, I didn't Tapped think anything into something of it. higher. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, you know, I was being protected somehow. I don't know, but I just, I did it because I wanted, because for, first of all, like you said prior to this, I mean, she doesn't leave the stage. Right. So, you know, I knew that was a lot of material, a lot of words, a lot of song, a lot of dance, all three very equally. The dance normally comes natural for me and easier for me. But I said to myself, I have to know the script like the back of my hand, I, you know, and I have to know these songs and feel comfortable. So if anything should happen, you know, so I did. And we were in Chicago. It was like our second week of out of town tryouts. This happened to Christina's foot. And next thing I know, the curtain's slowly coming down. <laughs> and, and the blood slowly, you know, draining Trickling from my heart. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, God, what's happening? Because prior to this curtain coming down, I kind of saw out of my peripheral, we were in the middle of Frug, And mm. I was like bobbling my head. And I looked out of my peripheral to the left. I saw Christina being swooped up. The curtain comes down, and so I had an idea that something had happened to her. So anyway, the, our stage manager, Beverly Jenkins, runs over to me after the curtain comes down and says, you know, listen, you don't, you don't have to do this. You're, contractually, you can say no because you haven't had rehearsal, mm -hmm. uh, with the company at least, you know. And um, she said, but I have to ask you, do you think you could do this? Do you, you know, Christina's hurt. Do you think you could step in? And I just, without batting an eyelash, I just said, yes, you know. But meanwhile, I had no blood in my body. Oh. <laughs> so I was like, I don't my know. My mouth that was... said yes. That's all I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my mouth said yes. My body said absolutely not. Um, but I went, so my friend Tyler Haynes says, what do you need? Um, I said, I need the script. Bring me the script. <laughs> so I'm like. In the middle of taking one wig off, putting the charity wig on, putting the charity red dress on, taking off this chartreuse green like eyeshadow that I wore for Frug, you know, transforming into charity and the whole time, you know, going over lines with Tyler and um, he was shooting me the lines and I was feeding him back and, uh, you know, I just told him the scenes that I needed to focus on that maybe I felt insecure with. And then next thing I know, I'm sitting on a bench and we're we're being um, tracked into Pompeii, Pompeii. scene. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that's where we kind of left off. So we picked up from there and there was an announcement made that, you know, the role of Charity Hope Valentine will be played by Dylese Croman. And I was just literally shaking in my boots, but somehow, somehow I'll never forget sitting on that bench as the, as the call is being made to track that, that piece out that set piece out and i'm just and i'm like I, I i got it i got this i can do this so i did it and i got through the whole show with honestly i can't remember but i don't think i made any major mistakes i had it i had it you know all the work i had done prior to this on my own outside of rehearsal space all the stuff that i had chosen to do it was in there it was ingrained in there somehow i was able to lean on it and trust it and I got through the whole thing and honestly felt pretty good about myself. Like I, you know, wasn't, of course I want to pick it apart, but for something happening so quickly and so drastically, you know, I was very, very proud of myself. And mm -hmm. so then the end of the story is actually the best part. So I'm, I'm really long winded when I say that, tell the story because mm -hmm. it was actually probably the highlight of my career. One of the highlights, because I just was, couldn't believe it happened. 
But uh, at the end of the show, we had a talk back where we were audience could ask us questions. And um, at the end of the talk back, everybody kind of filtered out of the house. And I was just my adrenaline was starting to come down. I was like, wow, I, you know, and they were, you know, the audience was in on it because they saw the curtain come down. They saw yeah. everything happen. So they were asking me questions about the night and all that. And it was very, it's kind of a poignant way to end it. But the most poignant part of the ending was when this woman walked towards me down the um, house aisle and she came up to me and she put her hand out and she said, hi, uh, I'm Marianne. I'm Bob Fosse's sister. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bob Fosse's sister was in the audience that night. She said, I just, <laughs> I just I'm want like, you to I'm know. I'm tearing up. It's well, basically I turned, I, my, all the adrenaline came crashing down and I just turned into a complete ugly cry. It was just like mm. complete, complete ugly cry. And she said, um, my, my brother would have been so proud of you tonight. <laughs> and yeah, I just absolutely lost it in front of her. And, and, um, it was just one of those things you're like, is this really happening? Like, you can't write this. Like what in the world? And so I call, I remember calling Annie and ranking the, you know, the next day. And mm-hmm. I said, please, you know, I, I can't believe this just happened. I said, does um, Bob Fosse have a sister named Marianne? And Anne said, she does. And she lives in Chicago. And that, that's it. I mean, that, that was her. <laughs> she was, she, that was where we were playing at, at the, I think it was the palace theater, but yeah, that's, that's where we were. And that's where she, that's where she came up to me and got to see me go into a full on ugly cry <laughs> in front of her. But it was, it was the most uh, memorable evening in the theater for me to date. It really, it really is. Yeah. That's so incredible. I don't know. It's like, I think because of everything that's going on on the island and I, I, I'm not going to talk about it too much or else I'll, I'm, I'm really well known for crying on mic, just so you know, Dilees, but <laughs> <laughs> so but am like, I actually, <laughs> <laughs> but like when you, when you get thrown into emergency situations, just hearing you talk about sitting on the bench, like I recognize that feeling over the past couple of weeks mm-hmm. in a different way. So, like, I, I just love that it's also tied to art and and why we do theater in so many instances because because that urgency, right, that urgency to tell the story, to not let the audience down who's there, to take care of each other as a family, mm-hmm. it's all wrapped up in there. It's all wrapped up in that decision for you to just, without thinking, say yes. Mm-hmm. Because if you had anything else going through your brain, you'd say no. <laughs> insane it's exactly. absolutely bonkers yeah but like mm-hmm. in in certain circumstances when it's about family and love it's amazing what we do and i think that's just so yeah, beautiful you just don't, it's it, thank you and that's it that's exactly what you just said it's like we don't want to let each other down mm-hmm. and, and 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 honestly it's about everyone else because because in theater that's your family that's community we want to make sure we do this show together because not Without all of us, whether it be the cast, the crew, stage management, you know, uh, ushers in the house, lighting designers, set designers, sound designers, like every single person that put this show up is in it for the same goal, which is to mm. do the best job they can possibly do and to, and to be proud of what they put on the stage so we can 
collectively and actively, you know, move people. But so for that moment, it was, you know, I'm sure I didn't think of all that at the time. But in my head, I was thinking, you know, yet, of course, just the word yes came out because I wanted to continue. But also, I didn't want to disappoint myself. Mm-hmm. That was the other thing, you know, mm-hmm. disappointing yourself is just, it's heart wrenching. No one wants regret, right? No one wants regret. Yeah, that's right. Oh, what a great story. I'm so glad you shared that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Hey, listeners, have you tried Factor yet? Remember Factor Meals? They were supposed to send me a box to try out, but they don't ship to Hawaii. So now I'm stuck with my Taco Bell. And now it's up to you. It's up to you to try it and let me know how it is because it's May and we can't eat like it's the holidays anymore. We're trying to get our summer bodies together and Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting food. You can choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, whatever you want, it's here. Head to factormeals.com slash musicaltheater50 that's musical theater with an er and use code musical theater 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next month that's code musical theater 50 at factormeals.com slash musical theater 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20 percent off your next month while your subscription is active going just quickly through some of the beats of the show that i want i have to ask you about Obviously, Charity gets thrown into the lake, bless her heart, but she's still sticking up for the guy. You know, she's going to work at the dance hall, assuming that he'll come by as he always had been for the past couple of weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Some of these lines are so funny as she's like telling the police officer about getting thrown into the lake and... And and saying things like, the thing is, is that he's very particular because his wife doesn't like to him to come see me. You know, like stuff like that yeah, that, right. just, that, that yeah. just gives us a little insight into what's actually going on despite her, mm-hmm. you know, uh, toxic optimism. And so she goes into her dance hall and we meet all of her girls. There's the amazing Nikki, um, who's a, such a great character. Helena? How do you say uh, I think Helena. I think Helena? Be, okay. Yeah, I can't. They're kind of like her her besties there. That this is when Big Spender happens. We we meet you know th- this place where she works with the most the famous trumpet solo ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a, a brilliant, brilliant number. As she leaves work, uh, you know, kind of bummed that that the the bow didn't come back. She runs into this very good-looking film star. And what What's his name? I forget. Vittorio. Yes, Victorio. of course. Vittorio, right? Vittorio. Mm-hmm. And he's he's in a fight with his girlfriend, Ursula. Of course, I remember Ursula's name, but yeah. not Vittorio. <laughs> uh, what does that say about me? Anyway. <laughs> but awesome. Vittorio in, invites her to go with him to this club because, you know, he's been in this fight with Ursula. So they go to the Pompeii club another great neil simon line when she says wow i'm the only person that i don't recognize here like that's that's <laughs> it's fantastic that's how uh, famous the people are who are going there mm-hmm. and this is what i really need to ask you about is the frug right rich man's frug which is one of the most well-known fosse dances it's in three sections mm-hmm. uh maybe one of the most memorable is the is the girl with the very long 
fall. Yeah, lead through girl. Yes. yes did you ever? Did you get to do that one? Well, in um, in the revival of yeah, I covered the the lead through girl and okay. um, Corinne McFadden played played the lead through girl in our okay. version of Sweet Charity that Wayne Salento choreographed in. Um, just, but she's such she, a badass bitch. I love her so much. Oh, she's <laughs> such a badass bitch. I absolutely love her. And to go like to cover her was such a joy because she just has rocks. She just like rocks on her hands. You know, she's like, don't <laughs> f with me. Yes. And um, but she's got swagger and style and sassiness, and she just uh, yeah, she's she is a badass. You're right. So what is this number about? Can you kind of help us understand what he's saying through the movement and maybe how? Well, I mean, other than the fact, I guess, simply put, it's, it's just like um, societal. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, you class. know, the cross. Yeah, class. And where do you fall in that? And the judgments and the, you know, the looks and the cigarettes being blown in people's face. Like it just, it's mm-hmm. that, it's like, where do I belong in here? And we're mm-hmm. all trying to be something that we're not. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> interesting. You know? So even just, they're, you, even they're maybe scared. It's coming out of like a, a yeah. place of fear that they're performing this. Right. But then, you know, the lead frugal is the, is she's the, she owns her, her thing, you know, she mm. owns it and she doesn't have, she doesn't apologize for it. And that's what makes her so, you know, juicy and fun to watch because she yeah. just goes, she goes for broke and says, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Um, whereas everything around her, I think, is like morphed into this, you know, world of the passer buyers trying to see, well, where do I, you know, where do I fit in? Where Can I, I fit in? Yeah. That's so cool. But I, yeah, that's how I see it. I don't know if that's what he created. N- but that's no, no, that makes sense. It, at the end, it kind of goes into that almost revivally yeah the big finish yeah Yeah. the big finish i always thought they're just all tooted at that point oh sure oh yeah yeah. see i always forget about (laughs) the big (laughs) (laughs) they're all tooted at that point they're just like they've they've struggled long enough about their insecurities that they're just like let me just toss a few back and then by that point they're all just crazy brave as can be (laughs) yeah they're brave as can be at that point (laughs) false bravery bravery Uh, yeah what a great number. So uh, Charity <laughs> goes back with uh, Vittorio. They go to his apartment. Another great scene. Uh, wow. Ursula comes back, and so then Charity goes and hides in the closet, and she ends up having to stay there the entire night because Ursula and Vittorio get back together. Uh, it, yeah. She's, like, trying to smoke a cigarette and blow the smoke <laughs> into the purse so that they don't so they don't brilliant. smell it. It's just it, it's great comedy and so endearing. It is. But she leaves... The next day, completely unfazed by the fact that he was kind of ready to say "I love you" in in many ways, and then mm-hmm. and then all she leaves is with a, a a top hat and a cane from him to prove that she to got prove to prove that she was even there. Exactly, to prove to the girls in the in the dance hall that she was even there because they're not going to believe her unless right. she brings something back, you know, because that's not their that's not the cloth they're that's made not the of. Class. So uh, yeah, that's not the class that they're from. So yeah, um, that number to me, I guess if I was to say, like if I was to pick the, my favorite moment in charity to perform and also just to watch really, because, you know, I've seen Anne Ranking, Debbie Allen, like different people portray this number and it is literally the most brilliant piece of theater, I think, because 
and it's also we're, the hardest. We're, we're talking about. Oh, sorry. If my oh, friends, yeah. could, if my see friends could see me now. Yes. Which exactly. she does with the cane and the and the top hat. And the top hat, yeah. And there's hat tricks. There's all kinds of things. That's one of the hardest numbers too, because there's props. There's it's like you have to take breaks in between the song to have you know to do the scene when mm. Victoria comes back in and and you're as a performer you're having to go from like song and dance to scene work and that switch back and forth um multiple times is very very taxing and exhausting so it's a hard it's one of the hardest numbers it doesn't look like it would be but it it actually really is um other than the cassie dance that is that one's one's pretty rough (laughs) but but the but if my friends could see me now is is definitely challenging, but so rewarding at the end. Mm. Oh my God, that number is so rewarding because you get to show off the dance part of yourself, the humor, the acting part, and just that song. I mean, you can't, that song is it's a, a classic It's a showstopper, song. right? It's a showstopper. It really and, is, yeah. And it's one of those that I think that Fosse was so well-equipped to do because of his background in vaudeville and burlesque. Like, all of that is being infused in there with those tricks and things. Like, he, he knows how to... He knows what he's doing. He lived it. He, knows, he freaking lived it. <laughs> yeah. you know? He did. He absolutely lived it. He, he was pulling from real-life stuff and made it, made it so fun to watch. I mean, it might not have been fun for him to live, but it certainly yeah, was yeah. created well, in a way to Isn't that enjoy. what we do? Turn our pain yeah. into something <laughs> entertaining. Yep. Exactly. Um, Charity goes back to her girls, and in this conversation of them not believing her that uh, that she spent the night at Victorio's apartment, they kind of dream of what they could, where they could be. And of course, do an, an another amazing number. Like I, we're only in the first act, and mm-hmm. and Charity's already like done th- three huge dance numbers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at, le- at the very least. But it's uh, uh, there's got to be something better than this. Mm-hmm. I, one of my God. favorite numbers. Is it? It's so yeah. fantastic. I just love. It's... I love the sound of it. I don't know if it's cultural appropriation, but it's just it, there's something so. There's so much life yeah. in the rhythm of it, and I, I love it. Yeah, no, you're right. The, the you know, the syncopation, the rhythm, the the uh, empowerment. It's a it's a woman's empowerment moment. You know, mm-hmm. three women, best and three you know, women. Best, you had me at three house. ladies. Yeah, exactly. These three ladies are just dancing their hearts out, and it, it really is so much fun to dance. That's one of the things that I never that. I mean, as far as going back to when I went on for the first time, suddenly like that, I'd never rehearsed that. Not even, I hadn't even re- like run that number from beginning to end. I just was on the side and rehearsal kind of like marking it on the sides of the rehearsal room. But yeah, that <laughs> so when I went on that night, uh, that was the first time I'd ever done it. And it was thrilling. It was thrilling because also I, you know, dance is what I feel most that's comfortable doing. So that's my language. And but I also you're it. an alien. That's insane. I don't even know how one would do that. Um, <laughs> I don't know either, but I did it. <laughs> but it I don't know how good it was. I don't know. <laughs> you know I do, but, let me put it this way. I don't, need, I, I don't want to see a video of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After there's got to be something better than this, Charity, I, I don't exactly know why she goes to the 92nd Street. Why? Does she just go for funsies? Maybe, oh, you know what? This actually makes sense now that I think about it because she's been to the Pompeii Club. 
she's talked about there's got to be something better out there for me. So she goes to like learn about culture by going to the 92nd Street Y and attend some sort of class or something like that uh-huh. that would would help her feel you, you know like elevated and cultured. Right. Um, but is this I isn't this where what she learns is this um you know this preacher preaching Is the rhythm of life? I don't think that happens till act 2, right? Okay. Or I'm did totally you guys or on how or did maybe you we guys, did it a little differently. Maybe, yeah, because I was looking at the original script, so maybe, yeah, maybe okay. you switch things around. Yeah, because when she goes, when she goes to the Ninety Second Street Y in the original script, that's where she meets Oscar, because she's not sure what lecture to go to, and he he's going to this one about something or other, and she's uh-huh. like, oh well, I'll just go with him, and then gets in the elevator with him, and then yeah. the first act ends with the elevator stopping. And this amazing scene that we talked about before, which is, you know, him freaking out from claustrophobia, but like projecting Mm -hmm. on her that he's taking care of her and then her actually taking care of him. Yes, exactly. And that to me is like a pivotal scene because she tries to take care of herself as much as she can and she works hard and and all the above. But but really, ultimately, she wants to take care of someone else, you know, she Mm -hmm. wants and, and be and have that in return as well. But uh, she unfortunately, you know, tends to do a little bit more of the of the first part <laughs> than she does the, the latter. But she that's a moment for her and for him to realize that this you know, this woman is actually incredibly actually, she, caring and she's very caring. Yeah. 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 Can you tell me anything about Dennis O'Hare? Because I think he's one of the most brilliant actors we have, period. Oh, Hard God, stop. he is so brilliant. Oh, my God. He really, really, really is. I mean, he's such a kind person. I mean, as far as telling anything about him, he, as brilliant as this person is, it's always so refreshing to meet someone like that and to work with someone like that that has that much brilliance inside of him and, and also just like the most thoughtful, kind, generous person. And that, I think person. that's, that's awesome. what makes him so great at what he does is because he taps into real feelings, you know, he really does Mm -hmm. feel empathy. And I would watch him just and just study how he worked. And it came to me from the outside looking in, it looked like to me, he was really just wanting to be in the moment of things. Mm. Uh, It didn't ever seem like he was like planning anything or like coming to the rehearsal at any point with something mapped out. Mm. He just really uh, went with what was being given to him you know so watching christina and him work was pretty cool because it just was really off the cuff and um and kind of organic uh, yeah inorganic yeah i had read that christina really fought for the show to continue on because there was a moment where they didn't think they were going y'all didn't think you were going to broadway Mm -hmm. and she kind of fought for that and knowing like what her health trajectory has been uh, in recent Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that like she fought for it and got to mm. dance on Broadway. You know what I mean? Like how Absolutely. cool is that? Talk yes. about like not having any regrets. That's Absolutely. that's another that's big it. one. That's a great full circle to talk about regrets because she did not want to have a regret on that. And she, yes, yeah, she did make it happen for herself and for everybody involved in the project. And she's a fighter. She's a, you know, she is charity in that way. Mm-hmm. She's, she perseveres. Um, and I noticed that from her from the very, you know, from the very get-go or just mm. how she worked in the studio how she you know the kind of you can see how somebody works and like 
whether they have that old school way of working, I like to call it old school, but like that old school way of hard work Mm -hmm. or that like, just kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. I'm going to put, you know, 40% in now. And when I get on stage, it'll, it'll It'll, it'll even out somewhere. (laughs) It'll even out. Yeah. But with her, she's, she's from the old school mindset, you know? So Mm. she, and I think that she danced a lot when she was younger. She took a, she took dance classes and she, she was such a pivotal moment in the show's success. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Act One just ends with them being stuck in the elevator, and we come when we come back from intermission. It's literally the moment that we ended the first act. Like, right. Like, okay. Yes. It's, so, just, so, um, it's all coming back now. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes with intermission, it's like, and now two days later, right? And they're married right. and in bed or something. But but in this one, it's literally they're still in the yeah, elevator. Absolutely, still in the. <laughs> And, and finally they get rescued but it's enough to really cement this relationship as like the next great hope in charity hope valentine's life and they continue to see each other in a very 60s way they're exploring culture and life and and they find themselves in this rhythm of life church huge musical number that happens right here at the top of act mm-hmm. two yeah i also really love that like marijuana but cannabis plays a little bit of a part in this show i don't know if it's the first one but talking about how 60s this show is it plays kind of a pivotal role because the the police come to break up this little mm-hmm. shindig uh worshiping party yes, if you will they do they go, yeah no it's it's you know like you're saying in that time period of the 60s moving into the 70s but in this case the 60s like you know it's freedom it's trying to figure out you know again going back to the frug like where do i fit in where is my where you know what class mm. do i belong to mm. and you know in this in this um church per se i guess you, <laughs> um <laughs> you know they're living a different type of lo- uh, of religion which is the religion of love and freedom and having a good time but uh i love that part of the show Rhett george I, let me tell you something that guy right there Rhett george who played why am I blanking on the character? Daddy, Daddy with yeah. The book it. I, I need to. I need <laughs> I to look. Cannot it. come up with the character's name. Rhett George is and has always been the funniest man I've ever met. Daddy Johann Sebastian Brubeck. Oh, that's the full. Is that yeah, right? Well, that's I think we full, just called him I Dad. Think I think we name. just shortened it to Daddy. <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rhett George played played Daddy, and he is brilliant. This all, all of this craziness only brings Oscar and Charity together even closer. He calls her Sweet Charity. He has a song called Sweet Charity. That's where the title of the musical comes from. But Nikki and Helena from the the dance hall, they kind of burst her bubble a little bit because they call her out on the fact that she hasn't told him where she works yet. And she's terrified, obviously, because she doesn't want her employment to mess up this relationship. When she finally does get the courage to tell him where she works, turns out that he knows. Mm-hmm. He already knows because he followed her to work one night and he's fine with it. And this acceptance for who she is, you know, top to bottom, brings so much joy that now we get yet another huge number, among other numbers that I'm skipping, by the way. Uh, I'm a brass mm-hmm. band. Oh, God. Oh, I love that number. When do you get to do numbers like yeah, that? Yeah. You know, that are just sheer joy. Sheer joy. That's exactly what Brass Band is. It's sheer joy. 
it's in the movement quality of the piece with those big brass band runs with the knees like hiking up with the arms yeah the arms swinging with pride and and it's the first time she's felt love in this way it's the first time Mm. she's actually Mm -hmm. experienced someone reciprocating what she what she can give to someone else and I can say this for myself now in my lifetime, just sitting here talking to you is I have full circle back to my birthday. You know, I told you before I'm, I'm later and later more mature, I guess you'd say in my career and in my life. And, you know, I, I know now what charity felt like what at that moment, because I have found that person in life and it is, it's such a joyful it's the most joyful feeling ever to really feel like that someone's going to reciprocate the love that you have inside to give. But yeah, for her charity in that moment, she is, she just is over the moon. That's so sweet. This all leads to her last day at work where, you know, she's now leaving to, in theory, get married to Oscar. and, And so he comes to pick her up. This is the number that I always forget is also in the show. Where is he? Uh, I always cry at weddings. Oh, yeah. Which is like another huge production number. But I, I, I'm i like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, this number is in there, too. It always reminds me a little bit. Of, I'm getting married in the yeah. morning. Like, yeah. it, <laughs> like it's at the same place in the in the show <laughs> as in My Fair Lady. So what was that number well, like? Is I, it, I, I'm pretty sure, like, did I don't. You guys should yeah, cut we it? didn't have that one. And I mean, I know, I remember oh. from the movie, but we didn't. We cut that part. <laughs> okay, well then should, maybe I guess I'm forgetting it for a reason. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's the next. I think the next piece that we go to is the. Um, yeah, I mean, we, he meets her in the diner. Mm. So this great scene where um, now they're meeting up after her leaving work is so heartbreaking because he basically tells her, I can't do it. I can't go through with it. I thought I was okay with everything that you've done, but all I keep thinking about is the men and et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and she's heartbroken, which once again, we're thinking like many of the musical comedies that have come before this would expect charity to end up with Oscar and they live happily ever after. It's not how this show Mm -hmm. ends. No, she metaphorically gets pushed in the lake again. But then tell me how you guys ended the show. Do you, well, do you it's specifically, because I know it's, I know it's changed a lot. I, you know, I think years. that it's might, might have always been kind of a tricky way to end a show is because like you're saying, people want the, the pearly gates ending where everything works out fine. Mm-hmm. But um, the way that we ended it, it was, she sings the, where am I going? song Mm -hmm. which another great um, song uh, love singing that song and that's just such a heartbreaking song too because but through that song she as the character as charity you the lyrics really start to bring you up and i can't i'm not going to be able to come up with them now but i just remember singing that song and finding the strength within the song to to keep moving forward to keep moving yeah yeah and so then she turns up stage and, and does this really priceless, um, iconic walk upstage, which uh, Gwen Burden was very, she, she was the one that, that coined that, that walk. And you, you just, it, you walk upstage and the lighting and everything just zeroes in on just her in a spotlight, you know, at the very upstage center section of the stage. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's where the show ends. But 
it's hard for people to be like, wait, wait, we had to process that in just that one song. But it really mm. is, uh, to me, that's what makes that song so brilliant is because you can find, you find the strength as the character to take yourself upstage with that iconic, uh, proud, you know, prideful walk and, yeah. and just know. And, and, and basically what I think it's trying to say and, uh, is that she's going to be okay, which because she always has yeah. been okay. Who she is is who she is always. That's be. right. Yeah. It's just it's ended with a dot dot dot, and it's just for the interpretation of the the audience member to you know make up her future from then on out. But I I would hope that people would know her character by the end enough to know that she will she will be okay and that she will uh, persevere. And I think that all of the endings say that. Right. Mm-hmm. The ending of the movie is, I think, a, a, a flower child type person coming, bringing her yeah. a daisy mm-hmm. and, you know, like a, a little show of kindness or love to help her keep moving. Originally in the script, there's a like a magic fairy that appears. Oh, wow. And she and she sees this magic fairy and the fairy's like saying, everything will be all right. Everything will be all right. And she's like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Thank you so much. And then the fairy turns around and it says, like, watch the fairy, 8 o'clock tonight on... And it turns out that it's, like, a, a live commercial for an upcoming television program. But she just happened to receive it as, like, something true yeah, and magical sign. and real. Tr- yeah, yeah, I love that. And oh my God. Uh, it's very Charity Hope Valentine. It, that, yeah. that no like matter it. what's happening, no matter what the sign looks like, she's going to interpret it as well, time to keep moving. I, honestly, I mean, I, and, I'm, and I'm certainly just telling you the absolute truth of who I am as a person, as Dylee Scrollman. I see signs all the time in my life that I take as truthful like signs that are only meant for me and like nobody else will understand Aww. it but it's for me and and oh i love you know that, and i and i and i roll with that and it's you know not to i don't i don't get too woo woo about things but i you know I, I try to stay grounded as far as like knowing reality of stuff but but i do see signs and i think these signs are all over for every single person on this earth if you you know if we just are staying open to it and keep our eyes open and our hearts open that's the main thing is our hearts being open but you know it's Amen. there is something to signs and and following the connect the dots you know of those signs and being present enough to see them exactly and being mm-hmm. present and open enough to see them yeah exactly that's great yeah ah thank <laughs> you so much for doing this with me Dailis. what a great conversation you're wonderful oh my gosh i loved every second of our conversation As always, if you have recommendations for shows you'd like us to cover on a musical theater podcast, just like listener Chris with a K, be sure to email me at amusicalpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter. Oh, it's called X now. I'm going to have that's going to take a while, folks. Bear with me. And TikTok. We have great content on there. We also have Patreon exclamation point, which just got a new theme song. So sign up for that for only $1 a month to support the regular podcast and to receive bonus episodes. We have our Tee Public store finalizing our newest design. All of the profits we receive from those purchases on our Tee Public store go to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. 
and if you just want to support the show, honestly, the best way to do is to leave a nice rating and review wherever you might be listening. More than anything, so grateful to have you part of this wonderful podcasting community. Hey, Miss Dilise, how do we follow you and what's next? Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram at diecrow33. Um, what, what? <laughs> and, um, and I'm also on Facebook uh, under my name, Dilise Croman. Um, that's pretty much my socials. And then I guess the thing that's coming up is I'm going to be playing Roxy in Chicago yes. coming up this, this next weekend. So it'll be Labor Day weekend. And it's just for a little a small stint. But um, I know there'll be more in the future. But for now, I'm just popping into the show and going to be playing Roxy Hart. So incredible. Incredible. It's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> you being able to pop into the show and save it started many, many moons yeah. ago. And it, it's, it's fun to see that it's still happening yeah. now. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. I'm grateful. I'm well, grateful. we're grateful for you. And I'm grateful for all of you listeners. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to live hopefully ever after which i think is like do you remember that one did you guys do that living hope there was a sign that came down at the very end of the original production of hopefully ever sweet charity and it said and she lived hopefully that's right i do remember that yes and that's a perfect tag Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.